You're listening to Inspired Edinburgh, a weekly interview show that brings you raw and powerful conversations with fascinating people from all walks of life. Our mission is to inspire and encourage you to reflect on your identity, beliefs, purpose and worldview. If you enjoy this, please subscribe for future episodes and feel free to contact us via any of our social media channels. Thank you in advance for taking the time to listen to the show and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, the home of powerful conversations. I'm Elliot Reeves, and my guest today is C. Wilson Melancelli. Wilson is a flow state performance coach, stunt performer, author, and former British champion of mixed martial arts. You teach and speak on the subject of the flow state, an optimal state of consciousness where people find and perform their best and have become one of the world's front runners in the field of flow. You have over 20 years' experience in the health and fitness industry and are an instructor in Jeet Kune Do, Filipino martial arts, Salat, Muay Thai, grappling, and you're a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You're also a master practitioner in neuro-linguistic programming, an Erika energy practitioner, I might need to ask you what that is, <laughs> as well as a stunt performer with skills in gymnastics, trampolining, rock climbing, horse riding, and setting yourself on fire. <laughs> Unbelievable, Wilson. It's brilliant to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Elliot. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Um, I've had a lot of fun, you know, chatting with you before um, setting the cameras on. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing your, your story. Yeah. Good, man. Good. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what is the, I suppose, the, you know, Wilson origin story? You know, where did you um, grow up? What was your early life like? Uh, you know, I'd love to hear it. So from right from the beginning, talking about it from the flow sort of perspective and everything, um, I'm from the west coast of Scotland. Some people might think that is the best coast. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I grew up there. Um I was there till I was 18, um, moved to England for a year and then moved through to Edinburgh where we are here. And um, yeah, so when I was younger, um, I was heavily influenced and loved activities, movement, sports, um, but I had a, a, an uncle and my uncle was a karate master. And he was the sort of guy that, uh, you know, probably pissed off a lot of people, but really inspired and motivated me. I was unaware of at the time. Mm -hmm. So as I was telling you, I used to, you know, when he came to visit, it was almost uh, one of those exciting experiences for, you know, a, a young guy, five, six or something like this. My uncle came to visit, I remember sneaking in, opening his room and he's sitting there with this blanket over his head, meditating. So that was my first interaction with this. And as he was there, he would uh, sort of, I suppose, motivate me, inspire me in ways that I was unaware of at the time. Mm. So one of the stories that I talk about was where he would sit me in, like, was it an, the airing cupboard, you know, the airing cupboard? Mm -hmm. So he put me in there, sit me down. So it was kind of dark and sitting, he would tell me like the secrets of karate and these sort of things really inspired me. You know what it's like when you're a kid, you sort of take that and it's, it's like fantastic food 
for you at that age. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was so, you know, at that age I thought it was Bruce Lee or Jean-Claude Van Damme sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, that really inspired and formed for what I was, what I led to be, be doing now. Mm -hmm. So these influences from him and then I had another great uncle that lived in the house as well who was a big reader and he would read a lot of books on Zen. So as I was growing up, not only was I surrounded by my uncle, who was a karate master, uh, I had a, a great uncle who was surrounded with these books and was very creative kind of guy, mm -hmm. you know. And the conversations in the house were always coming from words of wisdom, even though at the time I didn't really re realise or notice that at the time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like... From a young age, I was formed into what I led to be doing now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I can only see this story now. At the time, I was unaware of anything that's going on. Yeah. And it's only <laughs> when you get to this sort of age and you look back and what you're doing that you realise certain things that happened to take you to this point. And yeah. one of the things were the people that surrounded me from such a young age sort of influenced me in that way. Yeah. So... That's really the younger path of what I went on to. And then I started doing the martial arts myself uh, and really getting involved in it, reading books on Bruce Lee, Jeet Kune Do was something. And the, the Jeet Kune Do, the, the essence of all the martial arts, mm -hmm. uh, has a sort of mystical, spiritual uh, vein running through it Definitely. all. Definitely, yeah. And for me, that was something that I was always drawn to. Hmm. You know, I was always sort of connected to that. Yeah. Because whenever I perform anything, I always performed it with the connection of that uh, mystical aspect, if you like, or that uh, thing that we all know, we all talk about, we can't really use the language to sort of form what it is. Hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was really the bit, the big influence, the core of what my background was, that sort of a martial art vein with the Zen and the different sort of uh, understanding of that uh, unspoken essence inside of us all. Yeah, yeah, like very yeah. sort of Eastern influences, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, he heavily onto that. Although it was kind of like, you know, growing up in the west of Scotland, it wasn't really the common words to be used. It wasn't that sort of, <laughs> it wasn't the coolest thing to admit at that sort of time. Yeah. So like, um, that makes me sound really old, doesn't it, when I say it that, that sort of time? I'm not that old. So... <laughs> You know, so I was, I, I was, I was really drawing into. It. I remember meditating when I was a young age, and really um, enthusiastic, and sitting in awe, listening to people that had even tasted some sort of Eastern mysticism. Yeah, yeah. You know, sitting there with great. So, what was this all about? You know. Yeah. So yeah, that's something that's always been driving about and everything that I was doing, and it's sort of. It, it, it was the driving force behind all the steps that I took, uh -huh. you know. Yeah. It was that driving force of that essence that I was glued towards. <laughs> but yet almost surrounded by people around me telling me, what are you doing? What is this essence thing you're talking about? Do you know what I'm saying? It was almost like yeah. you had that... Uh, that um, that magnet drawing you towards it all, but yet people externally were almost sort of pulling you away from it all, saying in a sort of way, what are you doing? That's crazy shit. Like we spoke about earlier on. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Do, do you think you struggled to relate to people on a sort of interpersonal level? Um, 
suppose, I suppose that the the way at that age, at that specific age, um, did I find it hard? No, I suppose. I suppose I wasn't really aware of it as much as I grew up and as I get uh, mature, should we say. <laughs> um, I actually feel it being beneficial because everybody acknowledges it, everybody now sort of realises it and knows it. And even if they don't wish to really verbalise it, you can still talk from a way to let them acknowledge it. So if, if anything, it becomes a strength to be talking from this essence sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We all feel it. We just have different words and different vocabulary of expressing it. Yeah. So I take uh, pleasure and enjoyment in finding the correct language to build the connection with with your, with you, mm-hmm. with everybody around me. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, great answer. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Tell me a bit about your, um, I suppose, your kind of career path. I mean, you've done a lot of really interesting things. What, what was your journey into MMA? And, uh, you know, how did that kind of coincide with being a stunt performer? You know? Again, I mean, I'm doubling back on what it was. It all came back to this falling this essence. <laughs> I found that when... Uh, I was doing movement activities. I could connect to this essence, the flow. Mm-hmm. I could connect it really well. And when you're in flow, when you're in this state, there is that, uh, it's, a, it's a really good feeling. You know, you want more of it when you get into it. And because of the physical activities, I could get into myself very quickly. So I kind of was driven by that. I was driven up blindly you know, by the sense of wanting to be involved in this. Now, with the martial arts, um, the logical steps when you're in the martial arts was to eventually teach and compete and all these sort of things. Mm -hmm. These were the logical steps. And all I wanted to do was connect to that feeling of being in flow. And the martial arts at that time was the major thing that got me into flow. And as I progressed on with that, other people that influenced me and were in the martial art world sort of inspired me. There was a guy called Eric Paulson, who was a stuntman and an MMA fighter. So when I first met him, when I was like 20s, you know, at the time I thought, this guy's super cool. And he's a stuntman. I thought, really? Stuntman? And I need to do something here. And at that time, I was very aware that I had to... Uh, face my fears, face uh, that sort of inner demon. And all the activities that I had to be trained in to be a stunt performer, I was kind of enthusiastic to face those fears towards all because I knew facing those fears would would trigger flow in different situations for me. You know, for me, mm-hmm. if I can be in flow in, in so many different angles, it makes things a lot more enjoyable, a lot more, I suppose, enjoyable and effortless than whenever I'm doing it. So if I can be in flow when I'm falling out of a window, getting punched in the face, you know, getting set set in fire, you know, then I can do it in any situation. So it was kind of like I was... Uh, my path was driven by the connecting to that essence that we're calling flow. I got you. And from there, and I thought, okay, right, so I'm in here. What things can I use externally to challenge this? Yeah. You know, somebody coming and attacking me, somebody, you know, saying, okay, I have a good idea for a movie. What we're going to do is we're going to sit you in fire. 
right? So stuff, stuff like this that would, would be the driver. Now, that same feeling of that drives me and pulls me mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily need to be extreme danger. Yeah. I still get that same thing with my business that I'm doing, you know, the online business, these conversations that we have here, that I still have that sort of anxiousness, that sort of uh, anxiety that sort of comes no, no matter what you're doing, but it's what you do with that. Mm -hmm. So what I do with that is, okay, I'm in this state, this struggle state, and inflow. You have, there's different ways of explaining it, but I'll explain this one. There's a struggle phase, there's four phases. There's a struggle phase, and that struggle phase would be learning a new task, getting a bit anxious, worried, frustrated, anxiety building up. So you're in that struggle phase. Then it gets to the point where you just sort of, you begin to put the pieces together and you relax. You allow yourself to relax, you release, release nitric oxide in your system and allow yourself to flush out that tension that you previously built up trying to learn the task. You relaxed, and as you relax, still participate and involved in the task, you trigger yourself into flow. Mm -hmm. You're in flow, you're releasing those powerful neurotransmitters and hormones, it feels awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. And just like all these big highs of being in a specific state, then you have the recovery phase. So. Being aware of that and being hungry for that, I know the reward I get for facing the struggle. I know the reward of what it will be in the growth, the personal growth that I will go through by going through those stages. So not only the extreme danger draws me towards that connecting with flow, but other activities as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Did I waffle on there too? No, that's uh, honestly, I'm I'm sitting here kind of blown away by a lot of the stuff that you're saying. Okay. It's awesome. The, the flow state, I think, has been popularised in modern culture by the likes of, um, I think you need to be in flow to say this person's name, Mihail Csikszentmihalyi yeah. and uh, Stephen Kotler. And I think it's like adrenaline junkies would typically look for these ways in order to kind of access the state that you're talking about, yeah. which sounds a lot like, like what you did early. But at what stage did you um, kind of unpick or uncover how you were able to access the flow state and, and when did you kind of start um, formalising a sort of framework or, you know, more of the science around it? See if you listen to anybody expressing their experience of being in the flow state, they use one common word. It's always, how does it feel? It feels like this, this, I have an overwhelming feeling. You look at anybody talking about it, mm -hmm. they'll use the word feel. So how I dissect myself being in flow and how to get other people in. There's mm -hmm. lots of different ways of doing it, but the one, I think, the unique approach that I use is using um, meditations to get them into it. And how I do that is I use a three-step formula, three steps for them to be able to connect to their past experience of being in flow. Hmm. So I use their sense, their feeling of being in the flow state as the door for them to re-experience it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So when, there's different ways of looking at it, but if you begin to experience being in flow at different times throughout the day, you begin to be like a magnet to drawing everything. And remember what we spoke about before, like almost blocking other things out. Mm -hmm. So the more you experience it. Now, some of the problems is people think to be in flow, I need to be on fire falling out a window or parachuting or facing some dramatic fear. Yeah. 
the, you're going to feel it. It's kind of like that. It's that movie in Spiral Tap where they have like the volume control. This one goes up to 11. Hmm. Okay. Everybody's wanting to feel 11. But being at one, the music's still playing. You're still in flow. It doesn't need to be always set at 11. Hmm. A problem with a lot of people is they want that slap in the face yeah. that they're in it. But musicians, artists, poets, they all get themselves into flow without feeling that dramatic punch in the face. Yeah. They have that same sense. So the, the trick with the, the, the meditations that I use is that Sometimes you do those meditations and it might feel like a living. Other times it might feel like one. The problem is, is your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference. So if you're imagining or feeling being in flow, your body releases the same neurotransmitters and hormones as if you're actually doing it. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, you are experiencing flow in that. Okay? So like it, once again, the more you experience it, no matter how small it is, the more you begin to draw it in towards you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how would you um, quantify flow for people that maybe don't know exactly what that feeling is? Uh, Stephen Collar says in a quite a cool way, it's, uh, flow is where you feel your best and you perform your best. Mm -hmm. Boom. <laughs> you know, that's just where you feel awesome. Is that state, you can call it, the, one of the things, the, the boundaries that a lot of people have is the language that's used. So a lot of people would call it the zone. Mm -hmm. Other people would call it flow state. I like flow state because I, I feel flowy. I feel in flow whenever I'm doing it. You know, whenever I'm in it, everything seems to flow. Mm -hmm. And you can witness that with people. Other people call it the pocket. You know, uh, other uh, musicians would have specific names, artists. Everybody has a different name to express this. But being in the flow state is just whenever you feel your best and you perform your best. Mm -hmm. That's it. Hmm. You know? It's kind of straightforward, but yet when you try to verbalize it, you still feel like you're missing something out. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> nobody can really put it into language because when you're in the flow state, you open yourself up to past your potential. Mm -hmm. You become, you know, basically you allow yourself to solve whatever obstacle uh, you're uh, undertaking at that time mm -hmm. more efficiently, you know. Mm -hmm. You're as, as close to being a superhero as you possibly can. The superheroes, whenever they're fighting crime, just so you know, they're in flow. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Wolverine doesn't get these things coming out without being in the flow state. Sure enough, he expresses it kind of pissed off, like, but he's still in flow. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. What is the um, the sort of physiological response or the the science? I mean, I've I've listened to you on a couple of podcasts, and there's terms like transient hypofrontality and so things. A, like a transient hypofrontality <laughs> is where parts of your brain temporarily shut down. Okay. So prefrontal cortex is one of the most, uh, is one of the areas that shuts down. And that there, the cool thing is when you're in flow, a lot of people experience time distorting. So this interview, you know, people might be only seeing it for an hour, but we know it's been going on for like 12 hours or something like this. <laughs> so time is completely distorted, okay? Mm -hmm. And we measure time in an area in the prefrontal cortex. So when it temporarily shuts down, we get that sense of time being distorted. Some people like to describe it as that feeling of being like you're in the matrix, mm -hmm. okay? And another cool thing when the 
you have that transient hyperfrontality, that inner critic, that douchebag that's talking to you, you know, yeah. criticizing every yeah. move, you can't do this. It shuts up, it disappears. Okay. So those two things alone are super beneficial for anybody, is having that inner critic, not criticizing every step that they're taking. Mm -hmm. if, if anything, you know, it opens the door to you really excelling with everything. So when you're in flow, your brain, when you're in this transit hyperfrontality, your brain waves eventually get to a point where it's running about seven cycles per second. This is you in a sort of alpha, theta brave wavelength, okay? Mm -hmm. There is five different cycles when we are only want to focus ourselves in flow. Like we spoke about before, who cares about all the other stuff? Where's the target? To be in flow. We want to get ourselves into that. Uh, seven cycles per second and how does that feel so alpha theta is kind of like you're in that sort of different states of reality if you like so just now we are almost in a sort of beta wavelength fully conscious of what's going on but also touching on the alpha we're in that sort of relaxed state and probably open ourselves up to being in a mini flow with everything that we're doing mm -hmm. the flow state happens between the alpha theta bridge and that is where you're in that sort of light sleep daydreaming sort of thing. You know that way that you may be sitting in a waiting room, sitting down waiting, and you think, I've been here for bloody ages. Before you know it, you're maybe picturing something in your mind, or you're, you're seeing what you're doing later on, or you've drifted away into a wee world, or you're thinking of Wolverine again, I don't know. You're drifting off. That's you into that same wavelength, okay? Mm -hmm. Flow has direction with that wavelength. So when you're in that state and you're performing a task, you're releasing certain hormones and neurotransmitters. You're releasing norepinephrine and dopamine into your system, which is raising your heart rate, helping you with your focus. You're releasing endorphins, you're releasing an anadamide as well. And these help you with sort of lateral thinking, pattern, pattern recognition. So these are allowing you to sort of solve problems in an indirect way, in mm -hmm. a creative indirect way. Mm -hmm. So you get these releases as well. The other cool thing about being in a flow, you release oxytocin and serotonin. Oxytocin is a love hormone, you know, and if you've ever experienced a sense of group flow, it's easier to acknowledge, uh, for me anyway, uh, oxy uh, oxytocin in a group flow situation. So everybody's experienced the, the buzz. They have this glow, this afterglow going on, you know, their yeah. eyes are glowing, lighting up. Damn. What the hell did we just do there? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Everybody's looking around. This is oxytocin. You get that sort of camaraderie, that sort of, you know, all of you. We made it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's going on in flow. Now, the research and the information from, from flow is consistently coming out. And more information is coming out. Mm -hmm. If people really like that, I mean, you can look into the Flow Genome Project. They yeah. always have got the information because they have a, a team of scientists around them all feeding them information. One of the cool ones that I just flicked on today was uh, David Eagleman. If you're interested in how the brain works and find peak performance, there's some great information by David Eagleman. And he, uh, you know, has got some great books out there. You listen to audio books as well, don't you? Yes. So yeah. there's a couple of great books with him I recommend checking out. The Brain and Incognito. Okay. So those two, they are great for having more in-depth information and flow. Yeah. And the science behind it all. Excellent. I think I've got the brain in paperback, actually. Yeah? Yeah. So not a yeah. big monster of a book. Mm. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. <laughs>
<laughs> so talk me through uh, a kind of example. Uh, is it like a guided meditation? I mean, how, how might I get into flow state now? How might somebody access it? So it's kind of simple when you do it, okay? But I, I have meditations that people can uh, access and download for free. I use a few tricks in there. But basically, you get yourself relaxed. And you want to use what's called representational systems, which is basically if you're picturing something, so you relax and you, let's say you relax and you think of a time when you're in the flow state. And an image may come to mind with it all. If we make that image as clear and as vivid as we possibly can, as if you're experiencing it right now, and as you're looking at that image with it all, you know, you look at the colours, the smell, the taste. Taste and smell is one of the best ones for triggering your interflow. So if you really relive that experience in your mind, your body starts, you know, experiencing it as well, if you like. Mm -hmm. I think it's a chicken and egg situation, which one comes first? <laughs> so you begin to feel yourself being in flow. So when you feel yourself being in flow, you're in flow. Mm -hmm. So these meditations are simple. It gets you to that point where you're in flow and then I ask you to sort of bathe in that. And what I mean by that is you sit yourself and just sit in that feeling and enjoy it. Enjoy that feeling and meditate in that feeling. So those are the guided meditations for all. And these are the things that you could do straight away. I also have on a sort of um, alpha rhythm in the back of it all. Alpha beat, was that not a band? <laughs> Is that not an old band? Sure. Oh, God, am I seeing my age again? <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we have a, a, the alpha sound in the background, so you hear a da-da-da-da-da-da in the background, so that's also helping your brain put it into that sort of correct mental state. Again, mm. what we spoke about before, I like to be in alpha, even though flow is in that bridge between the alpha and theta. I like that fact that you need to progress towards that. You need that sort of little bit of... You want to have to, you want to need to take that next step. I don't like taking everybody straight there. I take them to the point where they then need to take the step and that step is getting themselves into the theta wavelength. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like we spoke about before, um, it's uh, putting people into a situation where they have the tools, the arsenal to take the step to be more in flow. And it's the same way that design the physical exercises as well is that same idea. It's for them to experience it, but yet they need to participate in that. There is no, yeah. there is no sitting back, put me in it, put me back in it, asshole, let me see what you can do, sort of thing. Done like that. You need to be participating in it. Mm -hmm. So the meditations and the physical exercises are designed in that way. Nice. Nice. You know? mm -hmm. I don't chase after MD with a club anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it was counterproductive. <laughs> Um, what would be an example or maybe examples of times in your own life when you've been in flow and you, you're going to use them as a means to remembering what it was like? Uh, there's a couple of ones that come <laughs> to my mind. There's one when I was, I don't know, uh, maybe 7, 12, right about that area, age, uh, and it was skateboarding, okay? I thought it was cool. I was shit. <laughs> but it was like we'd made a quarter pipe. Uh, on the steps of my parents' house, and you know what quarter pipe is, the ramp here, and you go on the skateboard, and you you drop in. Yeah. So I'd never done this before, and I dropped in, and then everything went in slow motion, as I'm in the air 
upside Goodness. down. And you're like, you know, you're, you're, you're good feet away. I mean, it's not, it's not a massive drop. But at that time, it triggered being in flow. I, that was the, the strongest sense I'd had at that time of time distorting. It was that way that I was in that horizontal state in midair, seeing my skateboard going over there and clubbing my friend in the shins, you know. But I had enough time to realise, holy shit, I'm in this position. I never said those words when I was that age, but holy shit. And I managed to put my foot down and, and get out of a hard fall. Okay. So there was one time where the, I got that feeling of time being distorted. Another time was, there's lots of wee times, but the ones that I talk about quite regularly are the skateboarding one. And the one uh, where I was doing, uh, competing in, in a lot of training, uh, martial arts, and it was, it was boxing at this time I was doing. And my coach, um, he was very intuitive with his training sort of thing. It all depended on how you were at that time. So he put me in the ring. Uh, I was 21, uh, 12 stone, 12 and a half stone. And the people that I was training were like 6'4". One guy was 18 stone. So he puts me in there. So the first round was uh, he can hit me, but I can't hit him back. Wow. Right? So I had to evade, bob and weave and move about. So first round was good. Coach thought that was good as well. So went, okay. And I can at the time I'm looking back thinking, bastard. So he's gone, okay, that's good. How many rounds can we get out of him doing this sort of thing? So I don't know what it was, maybe 12 or 14 rounds later on with different people coming on all fresh. I had to be in floor. I was going to get seriously hurt. <laughs> You know, yeah. so the good thing about that was there, I was in it. I had a few knocks to realise you need to pay attention here. You need to keep present. You need, you need to be here. There was no, you know, that in a critic wasn't there. I was definitely in a transit hyperfrontality state. It was transit or die, Wilson. You know, you decide what you want to do, man. <laughs> it was like that. Yeah. And I, I was really, really deeply in the flow state there. And I was, everything was effortless at the time. It sounds really dramatic if you're not in the, in the martial art world sort of thing. But I was in there, people were getting frustrated because they couldn't hit me. You know, there were, oh, some one of the guys threw his gloves off and walked out because he couldn't hit me. I was in that peak of being in flow, you know. Mm -hmm. I had my Wolverine fan. I don't know why I'm going on about Wolverine. <laughs> He's not even my favourite. Really? <laughs> yes. Uh, now you mention it, I don't know. This would be cool. Yeah. It would solve a lot of problems, I think. And, but I don't know. Who's yours? Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, Wolfing's definitely up there, I would say. He's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm a... Uh, Batman was quite good. Yeah. Christian Bale, Batman, though. No. <laughs> I'm a big... Uh, what's his name? He's in that Daredevil. Affleck. Daredevil Ben character. Affleck. Oh, the new... What are you talking about? The new Daredevil? <laughs> or are you talking about Ben the, Affleck? The Netflix edition. Oh, you like this guy? Yeah. Oh, I, I watched Daredevil season two. I'm sorry, we're leaving everybody. I watched Daredevil season two, and the Punisher was on it. That's the guy. Yes, he's the one. Yeah, he is. I like that. Yes. Okay, good. We're in agreement. <laughs> um, you've worked. Uh, I know that you've worked with Luke Robertson, yeah. who's a previous guest here. And for anyone who doesn't know, I mean, an unbelievable guy, Brilliant. the youngest Scot, first Brit. First person with a pacemaker and first person to have undergone brain surgery to make it to the South Pole. Yeah. Um, and he's done a, a raft of, of other things as well. 
Tell me about some of the work that you've done with Luke. I still remember when I asked him to send me an email just to tell me some of the stuff that he did. I didn't know him at the time. I read it, I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. You know? And even when I read it, I thought, this can't be true. And then he turned up. Brilliant guy. Love him a bits. Just such a nice energy about him. Him, mm. him and Hazel, his, his girl. Yeah. yeah both tra- I trained with them both. Brilliant. These are the sort of people that you turn up and they, they, they make your job uh, so much easier. They're open before you've even opened your mouth. They're, they're here to learn. They've had a wee taste of what you do and they're really enthusiastic behind it all. So, with looking Hazel, what I did was, is they have drive. If anything, I get to hold them back, you know, with the reins that I think. Cool. Yeah. They have all the drive and they were already set for doing these big challenges, what they were doing. So I only had a short period of time to work with them. So I had to find ways of putting them and helping them out, helping their bodies and minds recover after all this. So there's almost like conserving energy and also about how to recover. Recovery is one of the most uh, undervalued thing for everything, not only for flow, but on every situation. People do not recover properly. Mm. And having the correct sleep, having the correct meditations, because meditation is a form of sleep, if you like. So your body's replenishing itself, incorporating these things in. So what I used with uh, looking Hazel is, is I was using specific de- devices that would allow, give them feedback that they were in a meditative state. And I used uh, a, a flow-triggering game, which is flow-triggering for the likes of people that don't do the martial arts. But I used Filipino martial arts, a, a drill called Sombrada. And it was a, a Dossi Manos' two hands. So I exp- I, I, they've experienced flow. They know what it's like. Mm-hmm. But to get the dump, you know, to get that heavy hit of flow, it's kind of uh, it's easier for me as a coach to work from that point. Yeah. So I used uh, a, some bladder drill to force them into it. And it's a, a, it's a repetitive circular drill where you attack and defend at the same time. So basically I would wind them up and get them into that flow state. This is definitely eyes were poof. Mm-hmm. I mean, it worked great because with Luke, uh, a few days later we were talking about teaching him about the meditations and he used the experience of being doing this Filipino martial arts as his trigger for flow. You know, he used the smell of the sticks hitting together, the, the buzz, the feeling of uh, being highly focused. He wasn't thinking what Hazel was doing over there. He wasn't thinking anything else. Yeah. We really dissolved into each other. When you're in flow, there's a way of expressing it, and it's like action merges with awareness. So we did, and I, I hate saying it, it sounds all hippy-dippy, we became one in that movement. And these drills that we use is great for feeling at one, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of people express, is that sense of being at one. Okay. You know, the Tibetan monks, the Franciscan monks, they did a research, they did, uh, uh, they did research on them during meditation. And what they found was parts of the brain... Uh, temporarily shut down, separate from the prefrontal cortex. I can't remember exactly what it was. And it's the part of the brain that distinguishes the difference between self and other. Mm. So you get that sense of being at one with something that you're doing because that's shut off. It dissolves away. Mm-hmm. You and I having this interview, we become at one with it all. Mm-hmm. A surfer on a wave, 
becomes at one with the wave, a climber becomes with one with the rock. During those activities, Luke and I, don't get the wrong idea, <laughs> became at one with that drill. So it was yeah. easier to work from there. So really, flow triggering activities and games to get them to be even more familiar with being in the flow state and how to recover during yeah. those skills. That's really what I did with both Luke and Hazel, which was, was pretty cool fun. Yeah. With top performing people, with people that want to excel, mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be in sports. It can be in any field that you want to do. If you want to excel, mm -hmm. being in flow is the logical step to take. If you don't like me, find somebody else. <laughs> if you don't like me, find somebody else that can get you into flow because that is the major so the major step that you can take with everything that you're doing. Yeah. They might not call it flow, they'll call it something else. But if you can trigger your greatness, your superhero inside of your a hmm. uh, guy from Daredevil inside of you. <laughs> Punisher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can, if you can trigger the Punisher, I don't know if that's a good one to use, actually. <laughs> if you can trigger that, then you will excel in whatever you're doing. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not, it's not me or whatever the coach is. The coach is un, um, unlocking your true potential, taking away the obstacles, the inner critic, you know, distortion of time, distractions. This is what a good coach does, is take that away. And mm -hmm. getting you into float does that. Hmm. And when I was training them, that's all I did. Let's take away that. Yeah. It, it, I, I think it sounds like um, stuff that I've seen Ido Portal yeah. do, um, what you were talking about with Luke, actually. Well, they do the, body, the different bodyweight exercises. Yeah, this and stuff like that with Luke. Mm -hmm. But the Filipino martial arts, it's kind of like that. It's the same, the yeah. same approach. Portal stuff, drawing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's lots of great other things. And even if people are watching that thinking, I can't do this. You don't need to do those things. And f to be in a flow state physically mm -hmm. and mentally, uh, they're saying there's only a 4% progression that you need to be in, mm -hmm. okay? So if you were to think of being in a flow state, you have a, the challenge and the skill ratio. And it's a progressive balance between that. And how I like to do it, because I'm very kinesthetic, is a, ch a progressive balance between uh, hard and soft feeling, tension and anxiety, mm -hmm. okay? You want to get a steady progression between that. And it's a 4% progression. It makes small, like small steps, but that takes strong steps. And that's keeping you in flow. So mm -hmm. that 4%, my 4% progression for certain activities will be different from yours and vice versa. Yeah. Me sitting where you're on, my 4% progression will be different for your 4% progression hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. So... You don't, when you, if you look at something like portal stuff and think, oh man, that's super cool, want to do it. Some people look at it and think, super cool, want to do it. I'm not sure if I can do that. doesn't matter. You need to express your own self, your progressive 4% with these activities. Mm -hmm. Did I waffle on again? No, no. Great stuff, honestly. Really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> you, um, you competed in MMA before it was what it is today. You know, it was back in, you were saying it was around 2001 or, or there. It's probably it. 2001. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so, I mean, what was it like then competing in it compared to how it is now? It's completely different. When I did it, it was like, there was hardly any people doing it in the UK. That's mm -hmm. because I became the British champion. That was the only reason I was lucky. There was nobody as good as what they are now. So it's completely different. Um, 
I mean, for instance, they were fighting, most of the time they were fighting in, in a ring, there wasn't a cage side of things there. Um, a lot of people didn't know certain ranges of combat, so there's different ranges of combat. A lot of people were familiar with kickboxing, yeah. boxing, kickboxing. Not many people were familiar with grappling, so fortunately I could capitalise on that at the time. <laughs> now everybody's becoming more of a rounded, a rounded competitor. Yeah. Which is almost like they're becoming a, a more rounded martial artist, which is great. The only problem for me is, is that the mixed martial arts has lost the essence that's running through it all. Mm. The art doesn't seem to be in there anymore. There's just a, a lot of people that are doing the martial and not any arts. You know? yeah. They're going out pushing people about and being aggressive, whereas the true, the people at the top, um, maybe not the ones competing or maybe some of them are competing, you know, understand that sort of connection and why they're really doing it. The only person they're really fighting against is their self sort of thing. Yeah. So the difference between then and now is massive and it'll continue to progress forwards with it all. Mm -hmm. The evolution of all sports and all things have a progressive thing. Yeah. But fortunately, I did it when nobody knew anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was listening to your, it's, it was on, I think it's called the Wellpreneur podcast, oh. um, and you said, and actually, and I didn't realise this, that you were dyslexic. Yeah. Um, how has that impacted you, and what have been some of the, you know, the sort of negatives and, and positives of that? <clears throat> I think uh, with the dyslexia side of things, I really notice when I'm tired or run down, my language doesn't flow as properly, and... It, it, the sense of that happens whenever I'm reading. So if I'm reading certain, if I'm reading text, or reading, if you gave me something to read, the first thing I would do was, you know, I, I used to panic or now I would just sort of laugh with it all. But the, it would be always a challenge for me to sort of read information and take information in. And when I did read it, it would be very tiring and I would be, you know, I would read a page and I would be knackered after the end of reading that page. But... I I see my dyslexia as being nothing but a blessing, if anything. Mm -hmm. I still soak up information in different ways. I express myself in ways more creatively. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, I did write a small a small book. So it was almost like, remember I was talking before how I wanted to face my fears and find the, go through those four stages, the struggle and everything. Yeah. So my struggle for finding a language to express stuff uh, I wanted to face it on and I wrote a small wee book and expressed it in my way I started off and think okay so what is it I do what is this flow how am I going to express it and I ended up writing 11 short stories about it all and those short stories that I've written I still read them now and I, I like them and they serve the purpose for them all when I, when I, hopefully other people read them, they should read that it's written from uh, a, a person that's very freely orientated. People that have read it have always come back and said, without me saying it, they have a good feeling about it all. Mm -hmm. And that ticked the boxes for me. So the book's called uh, The Mind of an Adult, The Heart of a Child. So I think that's a good combination of expressing what is a dyslexic uh, author look like, or me, and mm -hmm. that's what it is. Mm -hmm. But the dyslexia has definitely been um, a beneficial, although in the beginning it was a bit of an obstacle, it's yeah. more beneficial. And thanks to Audible, 
books. I can listen <laughs> to a lot of content. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know. Yeah, it's. Big, I mean, I, I've had um, a chap, Kirk Pickstone, on in the past who describes himself as an international dyslexic superhero, actually. Um, and, you know, the, I think formal education is almost set up for people with dyslexia not to excel so much. Yeah. Um, but there's enormous kind of benefits. And when you look back in history, some of the people that actually have had dyslexia is just incredible. Yeah. It, you do get this sort of creativity um, that, that kind of comes with us. Well, and I think that that's obviously another thing that guided my path was, yeah. it was uh, being creative <laughs> is a trigger for flow. You Or when you're in flow, you're more creative sort of thing. Yeah. So I was forced to be in that situation. Mm -hmm. And again, it's almost like people around you were pulling you out of it all because you had to sort of recite things that you had learned. I couldn't do this. Still don't. I don't like to do it. I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I hate regurgitating information. <laughs> I like to express the information I've digested. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm so, so with you there. Yeah. And yeah. being dyslexic, I think, uh, was a benefit for that. Now people want to be dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. like, that. I'm not dyslexic. And now are you sure? Can you do the test again to make sure? That's what's happening now. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Who is C. Wilson Melancholy at the core? Other than the douchebag? <laughs> at the core, uh, at the core, C. Wilson Melancholy is flow. Not being a, a douchebag about it all. But everything I do is tailored to be in flow. For me to be who I am, I need to be in flow. To me, to be a good coach for other people, I need to be in flow. I need to be in flow. And that's how uh, I do most of my teaching, is to be in flow will um, uh, assist other people, you know, indirectly, mm -hmm. if you like. They draw in. The people that you surround will be in this. My job is to be in flow, if you like. And it was mm -hmm. kind of like... C. Wilson Melancelli has, uh, has uh, blossomed into being in flow, but had always known that he was flow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that sound too eerie fairy? No, no. So like the it. core is that yeah. for me. Yeah. You know? That's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see yourself in five years' time, and, and what are some of the things that you want to go on to achieve? Um... Again, it's all related to being in flow. I really, stuff along those lines will come out. Soon I'll be training up some a Formula 4 racing team. Wow. I really feel quite enthusiastic about this awesome. and yeah. see what comes out of that. I've got people in the States that are interested in me helping out with a sort of, um, uh, it seems to be almost like a rehab facility for ex-military people. Okay. Um, but how would I see myself being other than those things is, I suppose, opening my doors further to expressing more of flow. You'll be sick of hearing that word just now. But that's basically what it is. Is I suppose I have a uh, self-destination uh, or self-goal to be more open to being uh, more inflow at uh, all situations, hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to ex extend this question <laughs> longer, but that's the bottom line. That's the, yeah. the core of it all is just to be more, 
she will be, be more of Wilson, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, fully. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. sounds easy, but it's not that easy. <laughs> Especially when I've got this douchebag on my shoulder. <laughs> who, who is the douchebag? I don't know. I choose not to acknowledge him. Okay. So, uh, who is the douchebag? No, I... I the douchebag is the person that's stopping me being Seawolves and Melancholy. You know, I've not named him. Um, I do not know who his superhero is, <laughs> but um, I hope it's not. What's the guy in the wheelchair, Xavier? Does a mind control? Yeah. yeah I yeah. hope it's not him. Professor X, is it? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I hope it's not him. <laughs> but uh, I, that douchebag in the shoulder, I suppose it's a way of guiding myself to not take myself too seriously, to uh, keep your feet on the ground with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, f- for me, I use it in a way, I, a great way for pushing over information um, is creating a, an atmosphere for that to be dissolved into people. And an atmosphere to that for that to happen is a playful, childlike environment. When you are relaxed, when your brain waves calm, you become more open to everything. Mm-hmm. So I use jokes and things like this to soften. Not that there's any tension here, but the second that your brain wave shuts down, the se- uh, not shuts down, but the se- second that your brain wave changes or fluctuates, it's almost like an opportunity for information to go fully in. You know, you become more open to it again. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're a kid, you die. You you become a sponge for information. And this kid has that mindset, that openness, that lightness, that sort of playfulness. The brain waves in a certain frequency for dissolve for drawing in information. Mm-hmm. So when I talk, uh, when I teach, I try and do it in an atmosphere. And I do do it in an atmosphere that's a bit playful, mm. which works for a lot of people. But other people don't realise what they've been taught until they walk away because they think, "Oh, he's not taking anything seriously. What's going on?" And then later on, they realise the information they picked up. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said something earlier that I thought was interesting, um, and you didn't say this, but I'm just going to say my interpretation is sort of embracing your inner child a little bit, yeah. which I think a lot of people just, as they get older, they kind of shut that down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, and to be honest, that inner child is the one person that can be the greatest help for them all. Mm-hmm. We're surrounded in an environment that's full of stress, that forces you to be tense, <laughs> that forces you not to be creative, that mm-hmm. forces you to be, uh, you know, tense, anxiety, frustration, it keeps you in that struggle phase of that cycle. Yeah. You know, and having that playful childlike allows you to come out of that struggle phase. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It is the moment of relaxation that puts you into the release. Yeah. And having that inner child... I think it's something that we, we, we need to get into more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my job is to make people feel like they're a stupid wee kid. I don't know why, but I seem to be good at it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a nice uh, segue into the, my next question, which is a, a big one. What do you see as being your purpose in life? You're going to probably want to reach over and strangle me in a moment. But you already know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yeah, I've got a good idea. So, you know, I mean, my purpose is to express the gospel of flow. (laughs) No, it's just, it's to be, it's to 
be in flow and it, to help other people get into flow, uh-huh. consciously or unconsciously. You know, you know, and again to recap, what is flow? It's just whenever you are doing whatever you're doing it the best yeah. possible version of Elliot, but it's of Wilson, anything like that. All it is is I, I want people to be express yourself fully, mm-hmm. and to do that is to be in flow state. I'm not telling people how to live the life. <laughs> I'm not telling people what to do. All I'm doing is unlocking them to be fully to to solve their own problems yeah to you know uh, ignite their own fires if you like uh-huh. and doing that is by being yeah in the zone yeah yeah but i mean there's there's undoubtedly um kind of contrarians and i don't know if anyone listening is maybe a bit skeptical about it you know if somebody's unhappy in a, a life situation if it's a job or a relationship or whatever i mean what would you say to those types of people? I mean, probably when they're in this, people that are talking about these things are probably walking about with their shoulders slightly raised up. They, they've probably got a little bit of tension in there. Their eyebrows are in a certain position. They ooze with a little bit of tension in there and they're negative with it all. First of all, they need to find that wee inner kid because that will help them relax. You can't, you can't see the solution with the lights out. You need to turn the lights on. And by being a kid again, we'll allow you to turn the lights on. I don't know your solution. All I can do is allow you to create the environment to see your own solution. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> If anybody tells you that they know the solution, that's from their perspective. And it can lead to sort of difficulties and dangers, if you like. Whereas for me, and the way my teacher teaches me, is he turns his lights on. Sometimes like that, but as long as the lights on for a certain moment. So my my uh, uh, advice would be turn the light on before you make the decision. You know, so many we all do, it, don't we? Sometimes we make the decision the worst possible state to be in. Yeah. How it unfolds, okay? How it unfolds. But for me to make a decision, I want to make this this a decision. Or a, when I say decision, I mean personal decisions, mm-hmm. internal, you know, judgmental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I want yeah. the light on so I can be judgmental with the light on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, classic. What would you like your legacy to be? Um. Probably like Jason Bournes. No. <laughs> oh, I'd like my legacy to be... Uh, I, I, I don't know, because it seems, you know, my douchebag wants to talk. You know, so I kind of need, need to watch what I'm saying, but my douchebag, it's again around being in the pocket, the zone. <laughs> it's being in that... Uh, it's, it'll have to be something towards that. As long as, you know, in some ways, maybe not now, but whatever I express to people that are watching you, people that are walk down the street, in some ways something that I maybe have that's beneficial rubs off to them, uh, my legacy, I suppose, is getting sort of put out. But when I snuff it... I don't know. It will probably be down to being in flow. I'm not listening to this douchebag. Yeah, yeah. That's as much as I'm saying. 
I don't know why he's on this shoulder. He was there the other day. Oh, see? Oh, no. <laughs> Jumps about. <laughs> what are you most grateful for in your life? Uh, having opportunities to do what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. yeah, this, is, this is cool. Mm -hmm. I like this. Spending time with a, a new friend that I've just met. Mm -hmm. We share the same things. Uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to have the cool girlfriend that I have, even though she puts up with me and the douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm supposed that I'm grateful for having the opportunity to do what I do. Uh, I, I think that is the, the, the thing that I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we, we actually... Um, kind of covered this slightly before we, we started rolling the cameras. How do you define success? Oh, well, this is cool. <laughs> this is this... Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't define... I, I like this quotation that I heard when it was... Uh, who was it that died? Is it Tom? Tom, Tom Petty, Petty died. Yeah. And he put down his definition of success was when you do something that you enjoy and you manage to pay your bills, then that's success. I quite like that, mm -hmm. you know. I think that's quite good. So yes, I think that's how how I would define it for just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's not. That's like, I, like I said before as well. I think that um, the time we're in just now, the energy we've created sitting here talking, what we've spoken about. If we speak again in six months or a year's time, I'm sure the responses will be different. It'll be tailored to the the society, the environment we're in at this time, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So right now, I'm a Tom Petty fan. <laughs> um, who or what inspires you? Um, I'm inspired by seeing people overcome obstacles. Mm -hmm. That excites me and makes me emotional. I'm, I'm excited to see them face obstacles see what they go through and put themselves through it all. This is something that inspires me, uh, inspires me massively. So, you know, the, the likes of Luke's story, mm. um, but the likes of other people that have uh, their own personal battles that they tell you the story and they go through it all, you know. And if I see this in a movie, it's one of those times where I have to look to the ceiling or I'll get emotional with it all. So these are the things that really inspire me, is overcoming um, obstacles, difficult situations. Mm -hmm. I think that inspires yeah. everybody, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. One of those yeah. ones where you're watching it and you think, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Has everybody seen that? That is amazing. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that inspires me. Good stuff. I've been actually listening to quite a bit of Tim Ferriss, uh, his podcast lately. So this is a very Tim Ferriss-inspired question. What is your um, morning routine and how do you sort of prime yourself for the day? So, I, my times are kind of different, but ideally I wake up around about 4.30, 5.30 in the morning. Wow. I have a glass of water, um, I have a bulletproof coffee, uh -huh. and then I have a series of different meditation and exercises I do. So before I leave the, the house, I'm up maybe... Ideally, two hours before I leave the house. So these exercises are meditations I do standing or sitting down that my teacher gave me. I do them. Uh, that's my routine. So the, the meditations will take me about 40 minutes. Right. Uh, and drinking the coffee doesn't take me very long. 
You had a bulletproof coffee before? I, I have indeed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm a bit of a fan with the bulletproof coffee. It doesn't go down too well in Italy when you mention that you're going to put butter into your coffee. Buro, are you, <laughs> yeah. are you crazy? So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the mornings for me, I'm very uh, creative. I, I love the mornings. I'm a morning type of person. You have the AMers and PMers. I'm a definite AMer. Yeah. So I really function better in the morning. So I get up, get myself ready, get myself... Uh, into the the flow of the day mm-hmm. and then uh yeah and then i just ride the wave what, what do you do on days where you can't do that you know if you were like traveling or something or something interrupted your routine that's a, that's a good question i wasn't expecting that neither was i no. <laughs> um i can still so i would still uh, well abroad i can't make a bulletproof coffee Mm-hmm. So the, it's kind of the same but adaptable. I still do my exercises. I do them every day. Uh, if it, uh, I have to do them every day or, you know, I'll the, douche them, I'll be, the douchebag will come out and he'll be whipping me. <laughs> so uh, I do those exercises every day. It doesn't matter what it is. So, you know, I, I, I sometimes when I catch a flight or I go over, when I used to go over to teach in Italy and I was up at like, the flight was at a stupid six o'clock, so you'd have to be there two hours before sort of thing. So I'm up at three, so I make sure I do my exercises and everything before I go away. Or I perform the exercises on the plane and nobody sees that I'm doing it all. You know, I don't put a blanket over my head or anything like this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm subtle. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned, obviously, your, your uncle as having had a major impact on you, but who are the other people um, that have maybe kind of influenced the way that you are as a, as a person? I have a teacher in Italy that I go over and see. Okay. And he has definitely, over the last like, 10 years, has formed... Uh, in the same way that I express how I teach, um, formed massively and has a major input and influence into what I do and how I do it. And when I say this, I say it lightly because there is never anything ever told what he said to me, you should do this, you should do that. Yeah. It's just uh, somebody by what, who he is inspires me to do what I do. So he's probably the, the greatest uh, influence. Over the years, I've had different people that have inspired what I've done and their teachings have stuck in my mind with a lot of them. But he is the one that really sort of sticks out now as the the one that sort of, you know, inspired me more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you obviously work with clients and, um, you know, in, in, I suppose, a, a mentoring and coaching capacity. I mean, what do you think are the qualities that make someone a really effective coach? Giving less. Because for you to know something, you need to, if I told you something, I take away some of the lessons of that. You need to be put into a situation for you to learn something. So me as a coach, I have to create a situation for you to uh, perform a task for you to learn from that task. So I teach with as minimal input as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. Over teaching, over kills, Hmm. creates more frustration and tension. So I teach with that concept with a playful way, so allow yourself to be relaxed. I uh, obviously have an understanding of how people learn certain things, mm-hmm. so I'm aware of the phases that you'll go through. 
So I'll be able to acknowledge at what points to push, pull, if you like, mm-hmm. say, not say, stuff like this. So me as a coach is more of a, a guide for you to express yourself in a task that I'm asking you to perform, you know, and allow that task to give you the feedback and flow. There's, there's certain ways of expressing it, of um, um, learning for certain things, and immediate feedback is one of those things. Yeah. This is the goal that you need to undertake and allow the, the task for you to, to give you the feedback. If I get in the way of that, I've, I've taken away some of the lessons from you. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. this is one thing. Um, and I think as well, uh, when I'm coaching something, uh, when I do coach something, the, the person wants to, needs to have the want to learn something. Mm-hmm. You can't force anything above it all. So they need to be clear on why they're doing it. Mm. So I need to express why they're doing it all. And make sure they're clear. Because one of the one of the best things, one of the best things for uh, being in flow, is to do something with, with what's called an autotelic personality. Autos is self, telos is goal. So having self goal, Greek word. My girlfriend like that. It's the Greeks again. She's Greek. <laughs> so doing something for the for the love of it all. So me, Hai Chi Semai, uses the example as chess players playing chess for the enjoyment of the game, not for competing and winning a specific trophy. Mm-hmm. You play in the game. If you think about it, when people were kids and they were perhaps learning to kick a ball and playing football, they weren't thinking, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to earn thousands of pounds every, every moment I blow my nose. Yeah. By kicking this ball, they did it for the enjoyment of all. They had an autotelic personality. Hmm. So they, I need to sort of, if you like, uh, open their selves up to the potential of undertaking their skill in an autotelic personality. Does that answer it all right? Yeah. Kind of a long way to get to it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Be autotelic, man. That's it. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, one, one that's coming into it's two. So mm. one is uh, Rick Young, my martial arts instructor. One of my martial arts instructors. I said to him, how did I get out of this movie? He says, don't get into it in the first place. <laughs> so you can take that in martial arts, but it's great to put it into other things. So I think, you know, for me, not putting yourself into a situation where... Uh, you're in difficulty. And what comes from that lesson is, is that you begin to see things before that happens. You sort of backstep yourself if you want. Mm. So I already know if I go, if I take this step here, it's going to lead to this disaster, if you like. So that sort of, it's maybe not the best way, because again, these, these, um, these words only really express for yourself sort of thing. Uh-huh. But that's kind of the, what I took from those simple words that keep resonating in my mind is, is that you become more vigilant of what you're doing before it actually happens. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At the martial artist, you always see a martial artist or somebody from the military walking into a room because they've already assessed everything before they sit down, whether they're conscious of it or not. They've positioned yourself, even if it's just to be friendly. So they position yourself in a strategically strong position, mm-hmm. unconsciously. This sort of thing. Another bit of advice, which we spoke about before, 
was was just a simple phrase, which was to be in the world without being of the world. <laughs> and this here, again, resonates in my head all the time. How can I be in a world without being of the world, mm -hmm. drawing into it all, but be in it, not hide away from it all? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of, those are the things that are sticking in my head when we're talking. Nice. Great, great quote. Yeah. I don't know if I heard that. It's a Sufi quote. <laughs> If you could speak to your 20-year-old self, what would you say? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, duck, no. <laughs> Run. No, don't. Um, what would I say to him? It's kind of hard to say because what happened when you were younger forms who you are today. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> maybe the only thing is, is what we spoke about, you maybe wanted to be formed this way a little bit sooner. <laughs> <laughs> but who are we to sort of tell, you know, when it's supposed to, we're supposed to blossom? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I suppose looking back, it's kind of hard to say because as I just said, I think it formed what, what I am today. But... Uh, I'd probably just say, keep it cool, keep going. I think it would just be things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was to do things again, um, I can't, because even the things that on paper you think, I can't believe you did all this. I can't believe you were into sex, drugs and rock and roll so heavily when you were a young, you know, doing all the things that people, uh, our generation did at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, doing it to the limits. <laughs> but those past uh, experiences that we had have definitely formed the person I am today. Hmm. So, I don't know. Keep going, man. <laughs> Maybe not so much, but keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? If I could change anything in the world. If I could give everybody the skill set to be in the world without being of the world, <laughs> I would probably do that. Yeah. Because again, I think it's more situations to empower the individual rather than to be led. And I think by understanding that small phrase and really understanding what it is and acknowledging how you understand it now will be different how you understand it two years' time. How you understood it before, when twenty-year-old Wilson, he wouldn't have a clue, you know, or it would be looking at it in a different mindset, and so on, and so on. Yeah. So it'd be to have that question in their mind and to allow them to have that ability. Hmm. So it'd hmm. be quite good. It'd be cool if I could do that. It certainly would. Like the light switch. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, which is, I suppose that is kind of what you do, you know. It's, that is your. Yeah. I, I suppose, yeah, I, I suppose. Pretty boring. It's always the same. You kind of already know what the answer is going to be. <laughs> That's why I need to sometimes let the douchebag talk because I'm going to say the same thing. He thinks I'm the douchebag. All you say is that. Flow, flow, flow. <laughs> talk about the zone. That's all you do. Oh. <laughs> oh jeez, absolutely phenomenal. Wilson, I've I've loved speaking with you. I've had so much fun. Um you've got such a just a you know, just a relaxed energy. 
it's just it just flows through you, which I love so much. Um, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you would have wanted to? Or? Uh, no, I think we've. <laughs> I think we've spoke quite a bit. No, yeah, yeah, we've um, it. I don't know. You know, what's your favourite Netflix shows? You bought Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No, I don't. No, but do you watch other Netflix shows? Yes. Okay. Give me one that you watch just now. Oh gosh. Um... I'm trying to think what the last can be any TV. Is it TV series? Yeah, the, the most recent thing that I've watched, which is probably the most profound thing that I've seen and should be mandatory watching for anybody, is a program called Origins with Jason Silva that aired on National Geographic, which is essentially the story of humanity to date, which is utterly mind blowing. Jason um, Silva that's is a, fantastic, amazing, yeah. amazing. I'm, I'm so so into his stuff at the moment. <laughs> there was a there's a thing that keeps on going in my head when they spoke. Of, you ever seen the movie in the back with um, Jodie Foster? Contact. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and they go then. She says they should they, they should have sent a poet, you know, because you're trying to express it. We should have sent Jason Silver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know that would have been cool. If anyone's yeah. not heard Jason Silver, they need to check him out. Absolutely. Probably, you know, he's Amazing. fantastic stuff. Well done. That's a great one. I'll be watching that when I go back. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad I uh, could give you something <laughs> worthwhile to take away from this. <laughs> but uh, genuinely, yeah, thank you so much for your time today and uh, uh, I wish you all the best in your, your future endeavours. Thanks and, very uh, much. I'd love to stay in touch. Thanks very much for having me. And it was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Wilson, thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Inspired Edinburgh. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe for more powerful conversations. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show and we'll see you at the next episode.